Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back for another OG Show Live. Mr. Randall, how you doing? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Real Down... Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for News. Hi, boys and girls. Welcome to once again the Bass Kayak Advance. Oh, brother, this is the final cast. Another segment of uh, Chasing the Tide, your saltwater connection on the Palatine. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode of Feather and Fur, your host. Welcome back to the Mindset Alpha. I'm your host, Hey, welcome back to Off the Water. Happy here with Adventures of Outdoor Woman Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Rusty Hook Kayak Fishing Podcast. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, go to eastport.info. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Real Down. I'm your host, Jimmy Skinner, and with me is normal Dan Perry. What's up, Dano? What's up? <laughs> Not too much, man. How about you? You done any fishing at all uh, lately? You know, no, see, bro. Yeah, man. I don't. I can't tell you the last time I went fishing. I <laughs> think it's pretty sad. Well, I want to have, right now. It's man, my kid's been hockey, 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 and you know, just you know, coming back from the KFL thing two, I guess that was two weekends ago. So yeah. that's the last time I've been, but I I bought a whole bunch of shit since then. <laughs> I got a whole new setup. I brought home. Uh, I got a oh. Torquedo eleven oh three laying in the floor over there. I still ain't put in the water. There you go. I'm supposed to be doing some videos and stuff, and I'm slacking. I just don't hadn't had the freaking like want to go. When I get back home, I'm just like, no, I don't care. <laughs> like, I'm ready to go. I I gotta work <clears throat> on Saturday. That sucks. But dude, I got I'm I'm need to reach out to Yakima. I'm like a Yakima everything. I got a cargo ca- this week. I got a cargo carrier, a rod, rod box, and a trailer. All Yakima. I'm just yakking it up. So I'm ready to go. You and Brian can battle it out for the most Yakima crap. Because Brian's got a lot of it. 
Uh, All right. Well, you got another good show lined up. Uh, most of you already know that the Hobie TOC, the final event of the year, uh, happened last weekend down in Caddo. And we've got the winners of that event with us uh, to give us the rundown of you know how it was and how they dominated all weekend. So uh, we'll go ahead and get them in here. You want to bring them in, Dan? Yeah. Here we go. We got Brady Stores, Brian Nelly, and Justin Patrick. Nelly, right? I said that yep. right, didn't I? Yep. Oh. Yep. Yeah, I thought so. I listened to the awards and, you know, man, gotta get me one of them big checks. But I uh, can't congrats y'all. Thank y'all for being on show. Um, we haven't had, uh, we've had Justin on show before, but we'll go ahead and start with him. Give him, give uh, everybody a chance to say who you are. So people will know, you know, who they're, who they're listening to. Go ahead, Justin. Uh, so I'm Justin Patrick from uh, Memphis, Tennessee area. And hey, tell them about the podcast too, man. Okay, yeah. So I uh, I, I um, host my own podcast, Lines End Yak Fishing. Uh, we're on Facebook and YouTube. In fact, I just dropped uh, today's episode live, um, so you can check that out either on <clears throat> our Facebook page or YouTube. I'm getting over a little cold right now, so <laughs> my throat's a little scratchy. But but yeah, cool. Uh, Brady, how about, how about you, man? Yeah, I'm Brady Stores. I'm uh, from up here in Nebraska, way up north of all you guys, but pretty cold up here. All right, and Brian? Yep, Brian Nelly, uh, Palm Beach, Florida. It's pretty cold here, 84 degrees. Oh, oh God, I'm so sorry for y'all and y'all's major cold front. <laughs> it's, a, it's 30 it's here a, right now. <laughs> it's, it's in the 40, low 40s here. I mean, it's, it's chilly. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and go over the numbers here. I, I got it up. Um, so, Brian, you obviously won. You, you man, you just destroyed the field. Super dominant. Dominant. Um, day one, Brady, you had 98 and, and three quarter. Brian, second with 96 and three quarter. And then uh, Justin, you had 91 and a half. Still 91. Psh, hell of a day. Um, and then day two, Brian, you had 96 and a quarter. Um, let me see a little bit down here. Justin with 87 and a quarter. And then Brady with a 21st with 82 and three quarters. Still a heck of a day, 82. I wish every day was 82. And then uh, <laughs> overall, uh, Brian, I'm, I'm sorry, day three. Brian, you had 101 and a half. Big bag of a tournament. Uh, Justin, 95 and three quarter. And then Brady with 93 and a quarter. So oh, overall, Brian, 294 and a half. Brady, 274 and three quarter. And Justin with 274 and a half quarter inch, man. But Caddo, absolutely just showing out. 50 people, even 20th place had 231. So, yeah, just super great fishing, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I, I li- listened to the Hobie, the weigh-in, man. It, I, it just sounded like y'all just had the most fun fishing. I'm, I'm excited to hear it. Um, uh, do one of y'all come want to talk about Caddo, just how it lays out? And did did anybody fish? Was it Bistano? Yeah, that no, was, we couldn't that was fish Bistano. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. So that's next saw, March. Next March. Okay. Yeah, I saw it on the thing. I didn't know if it was available this time so uh yeah somebody want to kind of give a run run down a caddo 
I'll run I mean, with it. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, go man. for it, dude. So, Caddo, I mean, is an amazing, beautiful, beautiful lake. Uh, I, I found it pretty interesting. A lot of people there were from all over the world doing photography. Um, quite a few people from Japan and stuff. It was it was pretty cool to see that. But um, really interesting lake, man. Average depth of about four feet. There was, you know, there's one spot on the entire lake that I think is 20. Uh, I saw one area that was like 10 feet, but um, nothing but cypress trees. You know, if you're like me and you're um, traditional structure type fisherman, you know, it's definitely not really up your alley, but you can find ways to, um, you know, fish your strengths. But um, definitely a shallow water angler's dream, man, you know, cover water or like in Brian's case, you know, find the honey hole, but uh, you know, interesting lake you know a lot of water to cover seemed like there was a lot of dead area a lot of you know a lot of the water was pretty dead but um you know one of those places you can go out and maybe you can you know, pick up five covering a lot of water or you can hunker down in the area that that's that's holding good quality fish you got the river up there you got clinton lake um all that stuff was in play but you know they um uh, they had designated launches for this tournament so it was kind of um interesting to you know see how that played out for the field. I know there's quite a few anglers that really, you know, make their money by getting away from the crowd and stuff. But with that, kind of made it a little challenge. So, yeah. And I'll, I'll say it right now that we've had uh, listening to KBN rule shows and we've, we had a rule show just kind of talking about all the different possibilities of what rules can be next year for national trails. And, you know, a lot of local trails are going to follow that too. I got to say, like, after I've thought about it, I've listened to everybody's sides of the story. I'm I'm actually at, I'm four borders and just letting you fish up to the border. Just have at it. If your skill can get you over something, knock yourself out. But I, I got to say, after listening to everybody's side of it, I'm not for designated launches because it may, it forces people like Drew to put a motor on our kayak whenever that isn't necessarily the best thing for them to do. So, so I don't know if anybody else wants it. Did anybody else for or against the designated launches? I like it for the championship, I think, yeah. but yeah. especially when you've got like that many people in a field for a regular season event, you know how much work it'd be for a tournament director to like find enough ramps to where you wouldn't yeah. have, 20 people out of ramp that, that's been my look at it too like maybe one of the national trails just for a championship event when it's 50 people or less that right. makes sense it's fine but trying to cram 200 guys and then telling me i can only go to one of like i don't even know like five areas or whatever it may be i think that's just and it like, i don't even think it kills it from the like well i can't go where i want to aspect it's just like well man, I'm just going to be around so many people. It's And like Dan said, you know, for guys that have no want to put the motor setups on their kayak and fish that way, you're kind of going to have to to stay with the field, you know, to stay competitive. But yeah. Yeah. we've talked about it a lot. That's getting yeah. speed to death. I'm, at this point, I don't even care. I just want to see what everybody's going to do for next year. Yeah, yeah I'm sure they've already made their decisions anyways and and they're not going to listen to me, but um, Brady. So tell us about your practice, man. Practice was awesome, dude. Uh, <laughs> I caught fish everywhere I went. I got there Friday night. So I got every practice day 
to go fish. Um, I caught fish on docks, rocks, grass, trees, shallow, deep. I mean, deep is relative on that lake, you know. Brian and I spot, the deepest spot was like eight foot there. But just a little transition is all you needed on that lake. But, uh, you know, I would, I was just going and looking for the schooling fish up shallow in the fall you know that's kind of that's my jam you know find the schooling fish find an area that has a bunch of them and I found a bunch of areas like that but the best area I found was out where Brian and I fished we fished very close to one another out on this big flat and the first day of practice I was motoring back to the uh kind of towards the ramp I wasn't done fishing but it was late in the evening and just looked down and saw a little blip on my graph after I'd gone from three foot to seven foot, turned around and 18, 20. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to come back here in a few days and graph around and uh, graphed around that whole area, marked the uh, river channel, found several more schools up there on different little drops and shells and stumps. And I decided to go there for the first day of the tournament. So that's kind of, I just went through practice catching fish everywhere I went and catching some good ones here and there. And it was awesome. I love that place. And I, I know you have a PA with a bow mounted motor. Do you have live scope too? Mm-hmm. Live scope was a giant part of my practice in finding the fish and also in the tournament. It helped me catch a bunch of fish on day three. Uh, but yeah, I just, you know, you, you'd go along that, channel and look up there with live scope and you could just i mean the obviously there were really big fish up there so there'd just be like a mass of fish up there on the ledge that you could see with live scope wow brian how about you man how was your practice uh i mean i came in a little later i came in like monday afternoon i got a couple hours on monday afternoon um you know fishing more up the creeks didn't really see too much had a couple blow-ups on a frog um monday or tuesday or monday i don't remember what day it was the first full day i had i didn't really find too much i was kind of getting a little depressed thinking like oh i'm not gonna find much here and i'm not thinking i'm gonna do that well um but then uh you know the next day i went out changed changed areas and um Found some things, you know, I caught a few on the worm, good, you know, good 18 inch fish and, uh, you know, along some grass edges. Um, so I kind of located some of that stuff. And then I eventually came up on, uh, my main spot that I just saw some fish, you know, busting shad, um, again, you know, off of a flat on a little deeper edge. Um, and, uh, you know, I saw that that day. And then the next day I launched at another spot that was somewhat close to that. Um, and I worked my way over there again. I saw him doing the same thing. So, you know, I got that idea in my head that, you know, it wasn't just a fluke and there might be something to it there. And, uh, you know, obviously it worked out because in tournament day it was, it was on and the next three days after that it was on. So that's an understatement. Yeah. yeah. For real. <laughs> and J- Justin, how about you, man? Yeah. So I, um, uh, <clears throat> I came down Saturday morning and practiced, Saturday and Sunday, went came back home and worked Monday and Tuesday, and then went back Wednesday. Um, I'm not too far from it, but uh... the 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, 
1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Yes, Saturday, you know, I was just kind of covering a lot of water fishing, isolated stuff. Um, having a lot of success doing that, you know, just really out in open water. Uh, you know, there's duck blinds, old abandoned blinds and stuff like that. And I mean, I was shaking off and catching fish. I mean, in fact, my second cast of the day came off of an isolated tree. So and it was like a five pounder. So I was like, oh, yeah, you know, this is this is going to be the deal. And um, even when I came back on Wednesday, you know, went back and checked some of the same kind of stuff and was shaking off fish, really good, you know, filling fish. But um, kind of going back to Saturday, I had started out that morning just running a, a bank line uh, with a square bill and picked up a, a five or six pound fish pretty quick. And, you know, it bit it shallow, you know, shallow, you know, pretty shallow, you know, close, close to the trees, but not up in the trees. And um, that was kind of the first sign that turned me on to that particular area. And when I came back, on Wednesday, I made another pass through there, uh, not really trying to beat it up or anything, but within the first or second cast, you know, had another one on that came on. I didn't even set the hook on it. It just, it just came off. So, uh, you know, that was, I spent some time, you know, going and looking at some just kind of off the wall stuff, even went down towards the dam area, looked around a little bit, you know, uh, but Man, going into to determine my decision w- was primarily based on those two those two bites that I got in practice on that area. Um, in fact, I mean, I I had found quite a few other things, some brim beds, um, you know, wow. and some really pr- key pieces of cover and whatnot that were seemed to be holding numerous fish. And uh, so, yeah, and I, I know y'all are probably going fish Hobie and you know Caddo again next year, so don't don't feel like you need to. And I think everybody would understand if there's a few things you want to hold back to. So don't, don't worry about that. Um, all right. So we'll go ahead and talk about tar- tournament day, day one, Brady. Well, just man, three days. Just tell us about your whole tournament. Well, the, uh, the first day was pretty wild. Um, rolled up. Yeah, probably. To my huh? spot. Yeah. <laughs> First fish of the tournament ended up being big fish, but <coughs> sorry, um, I saw I saw him busting up there. Um, I was sitting off in the creek channel, and I saw uh, probably like five minutes in, I saw him start busting. So there had been a boat kind of work up towards me, um, and I'm like, whatever, you can kind of have this area that I caught the 18 and 20 that I just told you about earlier in practice. Mm-hmm. And so I run up to that schooling spot and huck my chatterbait out there, and it loads up right away, and it was that 8-pounder. And I ended up 
uh, I ended up uh, filling my card right there. And then just kind of, you know, fished around looking for stuff for the next day. Thought I had a pretty decent card for day one. Um, went back up in the trees late and caught another big one, about 22, that cold me up to uh, 98 and three quarters. And made hey, my you, you had 98 it. and three quarters and still had a 16 and a three quarters on your on your bag. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, pretty I, crazy. How, how did saw... you feel like, you know, one cast in an eight pounder or the very beginning of a three day tournament? Like, hell yeah, I got this or oh, no. This is too quick. Or... There it is. Well, my initial thought when I first hooked her was my uh, new friend, Calvin D, the dude that just uh, caught a 10-pounder in practice. He's like, man, it just felt like a catfish pulling. That's what it felt like. And so I'm like, dude, there's no way I just loaded up with a 10-pounder first cat, like first fish of the tournament, but didn't end up being that. But yeah, I... I've been in that position before where my first fish was actually 23 and three quarters in a tournament. So, yeah, I mean, I was pretty dang pumped. Then I, I didn't really stew on it at all. Like I threw it on the board and got a picture and put it back real quick because with, I knew how big of fish were in those schools. So I'm like, it, yeah. you know, that could be the small fish in that school. So I had to get back in there really fast. Um, but I didn't really, sitting i mean yeah i was pumped but i i knew like i had to get back in there really fast and after that fifth bite which was like a 15 or something that i got out of the school it just dissipated so i'm really glad that i got back in there really quick when but, when you uh, rolled man. up on them you know you've already got the visual cues of them busting and schooling like that did you still <laughs> throw the live scope down on them or did you just start no. casting yeah, I just I just start uh, started casting up in there. Uh, it was only about three foot up there, so it'd been pretty hard to see anyway. And I yeah. purposely stayed way back, and I think I actually made a cast or two working up there uh, to try not to get up too close to them to spook them because the water was real clean in there too. But uh, yeah, the the end of the day, you know, I've got ninety eight and three quarters, and it changed from like man i i never looked at the leaderboards i didn't know it was at first but i'm like man i could get to 100 today and i've never gotten to 100 a day of fish in my life the closest i've ever been was 99 and three quarters one day fun fishing in iowa wow. and so i'm i'm like man i'm gonna do this and so i take off fishing really hard and i see i don't know it's brian but i see brian kind of coming back to the ramp because um there's a storm rolling th rolling in you know and I'm fishing hard these last 30 minutes and about 2.30, a big bolt of lightning came over and just boom. And I was right by the ramp. So I'm like, I better just turn it in and be satisfied <laughs> with my maybe three quarters for today. But so didn't make it to 100 like Brian did. But uh, then day two rolled around and it was not nearly as fun or eventful. And I think I made a lot of people very nervous especially my mom. She uh, she was pretty mad at me after the day for taking that long to catch five. But <laughs> I, I, uh, I got out on that flat and Brian, uh, Brian's area, he was fishing with another angler and they kind of had that area to themselves all day. But over where I was a few hundred yards away, 
there'd been a lot more anglers over there and there was a lot like you could tell the fish were pressured and the first fish I caught was a really good one it was almost a 20 incher but she short struck it right at the boat and I barely got a hook in her and got her in and then I pulled off a, another one or two and so mm-hmm. right away I'm thinking like I need you know I need to start grinding around now to go try to find some big ones and I had several other areas really close by that I caught really good fishing in the tournament so I ran over to those and man they it just was not happening I I caught a couple more good ones but it took hours and at the end of the day I had four fish I had about 40 minutes left to go and I get over to the deep channel um, where I'd been catching a lot of little fish and little schools you know like little spots and 14 inch largemouth I'm like I just got to get a fish I can go fishing tomorrow and I'm live scoping around and then I just blind cast with my jerk bait that I picked up picked up after putting the chatterbait down um and one falls it to the surface right at the boat and misses it and I slap it back on the water jerk it once and I've you know I've got like eight foot of line out and it grabs it and I get it in that was my fifth fish and I didn't catch another fish after that so if I don't catch that 14 and a half inch fish, you know, on day two, like I'm not even fishing day three, really. Um, but then day three rolled around and uh, before I even went out, I'm like, I, you know, there's been so much noise out there on that flat. I got to change it up. Like I got to throw something else. And that's when I picked up the jerk bait um, right away, got started with a 19 and three quarters again. And, when when I saw a school, uh, you'd always get one or two out of it. So I filled my cart up in a couple hours. It took a little while, but um, it wasn't as easy as day one for sure. And uh, got a really nice limit, but I knew it wouldn't hold. You know, I, I well, <laughs> I looked at the leaderboard for the first time all weekend and saw what Brian had done. I'm like, well, I'm still <laughs> out here second. fishing for fishing for 10 grand so i better keep trying hard uh i knew i needed one more bike because i was in third at that point just behind justin and man i fished forever and didn't get another bite for hours i'm like what's going on and finally i ran over um to one of my other areas where there was some deeper water and ewing minor was back there and he's, I'm like, how's it going today? He's like, it's been absurd, dude. And I'm like, are you kidding me? He's like, yeah, I've got like 96 inches. I'm like, oh my gosh. And he's like, be ready because they're busting up shallow. So right at the end, I picked up a flute because I didn't want to hook one on it, on trebles and have to horse it in. And she blew up on the bank with like two minutes left to go. I hooked my fluke up there and she smoked it. I went straight and boat flipped her, and she was 19 and a half, and that's what put me up there a quarter inch ahead of JP. (laughs) Mm. But just, I mean, it was a tournament of just single fish, you know, just that one fish that counted so much. You think back on your season of how you got to TOC or one AOI or got that high in AOI or whatever it is, and it's always like one or two fish. You think back to that key fish, if that doesn't happen, the whole season comes crashing down and it could have happened that way several times for me over the weekend. That's crazy. It's got, it's got to feel good though to that last fish be that money fish. 
you can you it, can yeah. say, oh, that's a ten thousand dollar fish. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, it was it was a seventy five hundred dollar fish. Yeah. I was in I was in I would have finished fourth place behind Nolan and behind Justin. And wow. that fish bumped me up ahead of both of them, and the timestamp on it was is like two fifty nine and thirty seconds. So I had like a minute and a half to get the picture taken. But and I look at him, and he's like, "How big is that, dude?" I'm like, "It's like a couple inch upgrade at least." And he said, I don't know if nobody else upgraded. That could have just won me AOI talking about him because he was right up there in the AOI race and it didn't end up winning him AOI, but I think it might have put him ahead of his brother. Yeah. That yeah, that's crazy that I mean him helping you out, I guess he can rub it into to his brother. Yep. <laughs> and I I mean they were going back and forth on on the the way in. That's the only reason I said that. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. No, Justin. Cool yeah. Justin, how about your tournament, man? Well, I want to, I want to fast forward to day three just because his piece is so, you know, it, there's, there's so much drama kind of uh, going on right there in those last couple of minutes, like from, from one side of the lake to the other. So, you know, he's in that moment, he's catching his call, you know, that 19 or whatever. And, and my school had died off and I'd been catching like 17s and stuff. I just, I needed, I needed like an 18 and three quarters or something like that. And uh, I just couldn't get it. Well, I hadn't even hit my brim bed all weekend except for once. But uh, the day that I did hit it, the wind, the wind wasn't really right for it. So the, it was perfect conditions and I hadn't hit it all day on Friday. Well, in that last minute or so I'm, tailing off, you know, hightailing over to the sprint bed to try and pick up one more call fish. And I didn't realize it was further than, uh, than the time that I had dictated. And I get like five minutes over there and I realized like, oh crap, I don't, I don't have enough time. So, but, uh, you know, didn't get to make a cast, but also when I got back to the ramp, I had caught, when I was catching so many fish on Friday in that school, I was just taking pictures of them, you know, and just saving in my gallery. It wasn't even submitting them to Turning X. Um, so when the school died off, you know, I just went through and found the last five fish, the best five fish that I could and thought those were it. So get back to the ramp, I'm, you know, heading towards the Airbnb. And I just had this, like, just this thought just to, like, pull off and just double-check all your pictures and make sure you didn't have one that you missed. Well, I get in there, and sure enough, because at the time, my smallest fish was an 18, and I get in there, and I found another one that was 18 and a quarter. So it was that quarter-inch call. And so when we got up on stage and he said there was a quarter-inch difference there, I was like, man, you've got to be kidding me. Like, that's, you know, there's a reason for everything, you know? That's what I was man. thinking. But – uh yeah, it just is crazy the way it worked out. But, you know, Saturday, uh, Friday, every day was different for me, although I was <clears throat> fishing the same water. All the conditions, you know, were, were, were changing the way that I had to catch them. So, I mean, I was even making adjustments throughout the day. But, um, you know, I, I hadn't got a bite on a buzz bait or top water at all in practice. And I covered quite a bit of water throwing a uh, whopper plopper and a buzz bait and stuff and never got a bite on it. But, um, I picked up a, a black buzz bait, um, on Friday. I had caught one that morning on a swim jig, but after that, it just, it, it just didn't really seem like, it seemed like that was just kind of a, a one-off fluke situation. Um, 
kind of got really around my, my juicy area and they weren't biting any of that, those moving baits, swim jig, chatter bait, even the wind was pushing up in there a little bit. So I tried to spinner bait and uh, it just, it just didn't seem like they wanted to commit to any of that kind of stuff. So um, just kind of leaning on some experience, I figured, you know, if they don't want to bite that, then I need to get them to react. So I tied on that loud buzz bait and they just started smoking it. <laughs> and uh, got some pretty cool videos of them just flushing it, man. It was awesome. But filled out my full limit on Friday with, with the buzz bait. Um, and then uh, we go out Saturday. And, of course, that cold front blew through. And yeah. uh, I tried the buzz bait for a minute, but I pretty much figured it wasn't going to work for me in my area. And you know, they were kind of tucked up in the trees, you know, real, you had so much of that Salvanian stuff. It kind of made like a, you know, just a, a, you know, an edge in a lot of places. And they were definitely relating to that stuff. You know, there were some areas that was just so thick that they would, they would transition up underneath it from one side to another. You know, Cause you just had these long and expansive um, Salvania flats, but it had water under it, you know, and so I kind of caught on to that, you know, in, on day two and, um, some of those fish were kind of tucking up in that stuff. So I started punching, you know, caught a, caught a few fish doing that. And then the rest of my fish came on, uh, those fish that kind of moved out of the shallow, real shallow water and kind of moved out on the outside edge of the trees. And they were, uh, yeah, they were biting the lipless pretty good. So, and that's, man, if I can get them going on a lipless, that's, that's one of my yeah. favorite ways to catch them. But um, kind of had to downsize, you know, I usually, usually start off with a half ounce like most people, but it was so, so shallow, I couldn't keep it uh, out of the grass very well. So downsized to a quarter ounce and, and they just, they were, they were choking it pretty good. So um, kept up with that. And I mean, the quality on day two definitely went down for me. I just, I even went, you know searching some of that, you know, isolated stuff, looking for a big kicker or whatnot. I just couldn't, the wind was pretty bad out on the main lake. So I, it was really hard to kind of present your bait, you know, uh, well to those trees, but, um, you know, went back and forth on my area, you know, just trying to call up again on Saturday, but, you know, I was really concerned every single day just because, I mean, I was fishing an area probably the size of like maybe three football fields, you know, so, but it was very, detailed stuff within that area that I was fishing. So I was really concerned that I was going to run out of fish. And when I got out there Sunday, I uh, made another adjustment before we even launched. I, I had a spinnerbait tied on, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't supposed to be that, that windy. So swapped out the spinnerbait for a swim bait and got out there and started throwing the lipless around. And I had some fish that were, that wouldn't really commit to the lipless uh, and then I would follow up with that swim bait and they were killing it. So, I mean, that was, that was pretty neat to kind of have that just thought beforehand just to make that adjustment and then it work out. But how, how, how big of a swim bait? It was just like a 4.8, I think a strike King swim bait, just a little paddle tail swim bait, like okay. a kayak, you know, I didn't know if you were talking about like, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, big one. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I, I had a big 6.8 kayak, uh, bluegill color tied on going down there i was like man i'm gonna get them on this big yeah this on the brim bed yeah but i never did get that to work but uh so anyways i, I kind of worked through my area a couple of times and went back out because my first one of my first fish that i caught of the day was 
a 19 incher and was kind of on a point, you know, wind was kind of pushing across it. And I had caught a fish there just about every single day. And I never really understood why. I mean, I would even throw back in there um, each day and it wouldn't catch another one. <clears throat> but on day three, you know, it was colder, uh, even colder than, than Saturday. And so all those fish, you know, seemed to pull out because when I made another pass through that area, man, I just, it just blew up. It was one after another. I mean, just, I mean, it's, it's not often you get into a school like that, but it was one cast after the next, after the next for probably about a good hour and a half on the, on the lipple spade. Wow. And, yeah. I mean, it was, nuts. it was so much fun. That's, I mean, I caught the 22 then I called out pretty much every other fish except for the other, the 19. And um, it died down a little bit and, tied on a Texas rig, real light Texas rig. And was just kind of uh, finessing that through there. And pretty much what it was, it was just um, a hard spot on this point. And it had a couple of uh, little small grass patches on it. I mean, they were, I'm talking like maybe a, a couple of strands of grass in there. Uh, Cause it, I mean, it was a very, very, very small area where they were biting, but um, man just sat on that the rest of the day, you know, uh, I would, I would kind of venture down a little bit, let it, let it die. And really just trying to come back and see if a, another big one would, would bite and uh, just never did get another bite, but man, absolute blast. I mean, I just, I, I felt like, you know, I, I don't know, man, I was, I was on cloud nine, man. I had a lot of fun that day. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't know how I've never been there, but man, I, it's like, I, from all the tournaments I've been there, it just, it seems like I'm at, you know, just one of those special lakes in the country. Yeah, that's the same for me. I don't know why I have that's like my wheelhouse of my style of fishing, and I've never went down there and checked it out. What, maybe I'll change it next year. I've been there. There's been like so few bass boats, and I was there in kind of the end of the spawn, post spawn, and then this time. And the most boats I saw the whole time were over on the Louisiana side, and there weren't even that many. So I mean, I'm sure the hunting season kind of affected that this fall, but even in the summertime, there weren't, you know, there weren't that many. I can't believe there aren't more people that go there. <laughs> yeah, that was the other thing. We had a uh, duck season start on on Saturday. Oh, <laughs> I was I was fishing right next to one man, and I think that they kind of gave me a little courtesy, you know, duck call warning <laughs> when I started getting close. But I was like, Hey, at least they did that around here. You'll get a shotgun shot. Like well, that's what I was expecting. In fact, I was talking with some guy. I think it was um, Rolando. And I was like, man, I was thinking about bringing my gun out here just in case one of them wanted to fire at me. But then I was like, you know what? That would be get real ugly real quick. Be okay, Corral out here. I'm going to lose in this kayak. <laughs> <laughs> that would be some really awesome like national coverage for kayaks. Duck hunters and kayak anglers go at it with shotguns <laughs> on the lake. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions 
that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I was nervous, man. I've done it like last year we were fishing somewhere and it was a foggy morning and it was a place I've been tons of times. I've never seen duck hunters out there ever. And I came around the corner and like, didn't know they were there and they didn't know I was there because the fog was so thick. And then as it started to lift, I'm just out there in the channel fishing in front of them. I was like, Oh my God, I'm glad no birds flew by because they couldn't see me. (laughs) All right, Brian, tell us about this magical weekend. Tell us how some saltwater guy comes down and just absolutely <laughs> makes bass fishing look easy. <laughs> That's the thing. It was too easy. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, my day one, I, I literally it was my first cast. I doubled up with a 16 and a 17 inch bass. And then I think three casts later, I had another double. I, I had a limit within 10 minutes on the first day um, on top water. So. It was pretty ridiculous. Um, you know, I I filled the limit again ten minutes, and then I, you know, I was I I don't know how many fish I missed uh, on top water because they're just kind of they weren't really committed to it. They're just kind of slashing at it. Um, but I upgraded a few on top water there and on that main spot, and then uh, eventually I moved around throwing a worm, and um, I really couldn't do no wrong. I like everywhere I went, like it was the first or second cast I'd hit one in the head, you know, 20 inch or 19 inch. Um, so, I mean that first day and then again, I, I, I'm kind of going to stop fishing at like, I think 11 or noon or something. And I saw Brady had, he put up 98. I'm like, Oh, maybe I should keep going. <laughs> but, uh, I didn't want to, I didn't want to beat up anything else I had. You know, I had some other spots that were a little away from that main spot. So uh, I did fish a little longer because Brady put that 98 up. Um, but I did, I still ended a little early. I think I stopped fishing at like two o'clock on day one. Um, and then again, I, I felt fairly confident going into day two that, you know, that bite was going to be consistent, even with the, you know, the cold, colder weather coming in. And it was, you know, I got back out there again. I, I got a limit fairly quick within probably 20 minutes on that same spot. And they're definitely relating to like a real specific spot. Um, there, you know, I'd say like a 10 by 10 area that you had to make a cast into to get a bite you know that first couple an hour hour and a half and then they would kind of spread out a little bit from there um but i again fill the limit on the top water um on day two and then upgraded i think once or twice on a worm moving around a little bit and uh again i called it a day because i didn't want to beat them up anymore um i did move around again and Steve, the camera boat guy, was uh, following me around. He, I ran into him a little later, and I told him I was catching 18s in another area that I had caught some in practice. And I'm like, I just don't want to fish anymore, just in case. You know, I had, had, had to come get these fish later, you know, for day three. But uh, so, again, I called it early. Went in, I think, noon on day two. And, uh, again, going into day three, I, was, I really didn't think the cold was going to affect him. I thought, if anything, it was going to make it even better. So, uh, and it did, you know, I, I got out there again and it took me a little longer to get a limit this time, but again, they're really focused in that one little spot. I couldn't get a bite outside of that spot on day three. 
and it did take a little longer, but they were bigger fish on day three in that spot for that first hour, hour and a half. And uh, I got everything on top water um, on that day. I, I think I, I did the 98 inches. I went to go upload. I let uh, the other angler that was sharing that spot with me have the spot for a little while. I had to move because I didn't have a service where I was at. Uploaded those fish and I came back. Sorry about the, the light there. there and um, I came back through the top water i think maybe five or six more casts and i got two 20 inch upgrades so and then i went over 100 on that so and then i was there i was just sitting there watching um it was no nolan was next to me and uh, i was just sitting there watching him cheering him on you know we're literally 15 feet from each other just power pulled down just casting and i was just sitting there munching on some snacks watching him catch fish so it was pretty cool dude <laughs> i I went out there day three and I'm like, you know, I'm just going to do all I can. And hopefully Brian slips and like yeah. 30 minutes, 30 minutes in, I hear he and Nolan just I'm like, well, they're catching them. <laughs> it's well, yeah, I, for me. I pulled up, I pulled up to the spot and it was, you know, 10 minutes before first cast and Steve's out there for the camera boat and I see him busting already. I'm like, this is going to be, it. it's going to, it's over, you know, like it's, it's over. And I told Steve, I was trying to get Steve closer because he kept, you know, he's trying to be respectful and not be close on my fish. I'm like, dude, get closer here so you can see these fish blow up on my bait, you know, first cast. <laughs> so, again, it, it was just ridiculous. I don't I don't have any other words for it. I mean, it, just, it was just the ideal setup, you know. It, I, I don't know what to say about it. It was so crazy. You, going back to your would... thought process. Yeah, sorry, on, you go ahead. Uh, going back to what you said, you know, that you, you were pretty sure that the cold front, you know, was going to make it even better. What was your, your thought into that? Like what, what about it made you think that way? I just, just because of the area where it was, again, it was closer to some deeper water. So if they're going to push into the deeper water with the cold, it wasn't I, I a think, big move. Yeah. Where I was at, I think that they would even be pushing in there even more. So um, that was my thought process. And there was just, there's plenty of bait you know, getting pushed up against that. It was a, you know, a, a grass line along some deeper water. So there's a bunch of gizzard sad that was up on there. Nice. And uh, they're just, they're just going to town on them. Is, is that what you think made that spot a little bit better than other ones? Cause of the depth of water. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Having that grass next to the deeper water. And again, that there are, like I say about that specific spot, I don't know exactly what was right there because i never wanted to go actually over it and kind of see what was there but there was something probably there that they were relating to that exact spot for some reason at least early in the morning but on day three like it was after that first couple hours they were all over that flat you know they're just spread out everywhere but they did get smarter uh again nolan started to struggle you know um, a little later in the day like they're busting chat everywhere but they wouldn't hit anything you threw at them so they were uh they're definitely focused on um, the actual the actual bait. Were you in you you know with the gizzard shad in that relative area too? Is it like big gizzard shad or a lot of like really tiny like? Fish? No, they're they're big gizzard shad. Yeah, yeah. That goes yeah, back to like, yeah. Big. That goes back to we did a show a couple weeks ago with Russ talking about at the KBF, and that was something that he mentioned. Is you know like. The gizzard shads you like to follow are the bigger ones because the bigger fish can actually eat the bigger gizzard shad. So having right. that grass line, deep water, and good sized gizzard shads just kind of like the three pieces of that puzzle that you need. Yeah. That's awesome. 
when when you got off of it on day one and day two, like, were you nervous that people were just going to come hop on it? Or, I mean, I know you sat over there for a while on day one, but. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, on day two, I, I kind of sat there, like, pretending like I was casting. <laughs> I, I, was throwing, I was throwing a buzz bait and let it sink on the bottom and, like, reeling it back real slow, like, acting like. <laughs> but yeah, me, me and Nolan it's definitely awesome. were protecting it and kind of just sitting yeah. on it. They also come in there, but yeah, for sure. <laughs> on on day three, after I think that you kind of left, but then Nolan was still sitting there for a while, and he finally left, and it was like hyenas getting on a yeah. thing, lion kill or something. <laughs> that is all in no, that yeah, area. He, he said he was going to go by his brother um and fish with him and that was at like noon and i said all right i'm gonna just go head back to the truck and then i asked him later if he went back there to you know because i he said he didn't get anything better i asked him if he went back to that spot he's like no i i went back but there was like four or five people on the spot you know <laughs> wow <laughs> but yeah it definitely it definitely died out you know you know after the the morning so yeah that's so it was, funny it was so wild for me because we all went out the same ramp and Friday morning, we all took off, and all of y'all went right. And I was like, "Yes." <laughs> I mean, it worked out better for y'all, but uh, man, I was I was happy to kind of fish by myself over there. Yeah. How many of y'all were at that launch? Was it pretty much all the leaders? Like, for, yeah, there's like ten people that launched there, and majority there's probably at least seven that were you know in the top, something like that. I don't know. Quite a few, um, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. There's a, I think there was a couple, two or three more on day two and day day three, especially. Yeah. Oh, really? seemed, seemed like a few more showed up. But it was, it was kind of hard to tell because there was quite a few um, um, other trucks out there, duck hunting and whatnot. But, but also, there, it, were, there, there were quite a few people that had planned to use that area later in the tournament and vice versa, you know, so there were people coming yeah. and going. That's what I had originally planned to do as well was to move to a different area, but... When I saw how many fish were in that area, I just kind of stuck around there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough sometimes. You don't, you know, you change ramps or whatever, and then you show up some guys or doing well. It's it's always a a tough a tough game to play, you know. Yeah, you want to be respectful, but you want to catch them, and you know. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. It's always tough. I mean, at least the folks stayed off your, your spot, Brian, while you were there. You know, you all you hear about the guys that start to creep in while you're on it, right? But yeah, that was the that was the, the best part. Like again, I gotta give a shout out to Nolan. Like I beat him to that spot, and he came up on me and kind of saw what I had tied on. I was like, well, it looks like we saw the same thing in practice. I'm like, yeah, probably. <laughs> so, um, you know, we we talked a little bit and said we'd give some space on that day one, and uh, we worked together. You know, um, we gave each other space. You know, in the morning, but obviously, I. I uh, I made sure that I'd get there first every day so I could get the spot that I wanted. <laughs> but, 
but uh, we worked together to give each other some space. And again, I, I was very courteous to him. I said, no, dude, I don't care. You can come on in here, like get some of this action. So, um, and he was very, you know, you know, nice to me to, to give me the go ahead because, you know, I had, I had the lead and I had beat him there every morning. So, uh, what, what, what kayak are you in that you were able to beat him? Uh, PA 14. So y'all were in the same boat. You just got stronger legs. I, I do this every day. I, I, I can, I, I can, I'm willing to bet I can beat anybody to a spot. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah you do add offshore stuff. You, you gotta, you can't mess around there. Yeah. Thoroughbred legs. <laughs> I go. love it. All right. Well, well, you know, we've had you for 50 minutes. We don't want to hold y'all up too much. Uh, we appreciate y'all being on, but uh, before, and congratulations. I mean, yeah. to do well at the TOC, especially, you know, make that big 45, that 45,000, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that, that's a hell of a weekend. But uh, yeah, congrats to y'all. But we want to give you a chance to shout out any sponsors or anybody that makes fishing easier for you. Justin, we'll start with you, man. Um, yeah, I'll just shout out my um, uh, my main sponsor, Battleborn Batteries. They've, they've been a huge, uh, huge help for me this year, being able to get out and travel. And uh, if anybody listening is in the uh, West Tennessee area and look for a Hobie, go and check out uh, West, uh, S.Y. Wilson and Company right there in Arlington, Tennessee. Uh, David's your guy, man. He'll meet you halfway if he needs to, but great inventory right now. Thank you. I know, Brayton, you're in a Hobie too, Justin? Yeah. Dang, yep. all three of y'all. There, yeah, it is a Hobie tournament, but, you know, still. Uh, Brady, how about you, man? Yeah, I've got a few sponsors. I've got Select Sim Sports back here in Nebraska. They're uh, our local Hobie dealer. Uh, I've been with them for quite a few years. They're pretty awesome. Uh, Mossy Oak Fishing, and then I'm on the Hobie Fishing Team, the national team or whatever. Um, and comes with a lot of cool perks and I mean, you got to give a shout out to AJ. He worked so hard on this series. I mean, all three of us made over 10 grand at that tournament, you know, top three, all making over 10 grand. That's crazy. When I first saw that earlier this year, like that's just second to none, you know, that's pretty awesome uh, for 50 guys. But cool. Brian? Yep. uh, DOA lures, Crowder rods, frog togs. Uh, my local dealer, South River Outfitters, he's always helping me out with anything I need. And, uh, you know, I, I also run a, you know, a kayak charter service down here in South Florida. It's Pushing Water Kayak Charters. So if you guys ever want to get into, you know, something other than green fish, we got, you know, lots of opportunities down here for offshore stuff like sailfish, tuna, things like that. Like, yeah, what, what's the best time of year to come down for sailfish? For every for most all species, it's end of April through July is the best time for everything. Our you know sailfish wise, we have sailfish here all year long, so any time of the year. Wow! And like, what's like, what would you say is a percentage of people going out there and being able to catch one? Is it like pretty pretty good odds to land one or to to have one bite? <laughs> so, bite, yeah, yeah. Let's say bite. These sailfish bites are fairly common. Yeah, our main two fish are sailfish and kingfish, and uh, you know, it's a matter of landing it. Whole thing. Heck yeah! As long as you can see it come up and jump, that 
That's all you want. Yeah. <laughs> I'm putting I've got a picture. I'm putting that bitch on my wall. Exactly. A replica, you know. <laughs> all right. We appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for being on and good luck. I'd say the rest of the season, but I guess the season's pretty much over. Good good, good luck, luck next, next year. year. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Y'all be good. Yeah. There we go. All right. 45K. Been nice to see a bunch of big money won over the last few weeks of kayak fishing across the board. Yeah, for sure. I was I was hoping though, old Russ, when I saw him up in fourth on day two, I was hoping he would make that, that run be. for it just because I was, you know, like say he won eighty grand in two tournaments or ninety grand in two tournaments, how crazy that would have been. Yeah. But uh congrats and, to and, those and, guys. And next week and also congratulations, Cody Milton for one Double Angler of the Year, KBF and uh, Hobie. We hope to have him try to get him on next week if we can. But uh, yeah, congrats to him locking up AOY and getting that uh, that pretty Hobie PA. Yeah, and, uh, and and Cody top ten in that event too. Cody came in at eighth. Or we'll, we'll just we'll, we'll give the top ten a shout out. So you, we already had Brian Brady and Justin. Fourth was Nolan Minor. Fifth Ewing Minor. Sixth Jordan Marshall. Seventh Rolando Nanden. 8th, Cody Milton, ninth Justin Brewer, and 10th, Kevin Workman. So. And and congrats, to, really congrats to everybody. Just make it to a TOC. It's, yeah. I mean, people, you know, everybody goes out there and all year trying to get into it. But, uh, you know, it's crazy. Some guys at the bottom, you know, that didn't have a good good weekend, and they're still some of the best anglers in the country. So For that's sure. always tough with a big championship like that. That's right. Well, uh, that was the only tournament recap that I had for this week. So, dang, one and done. Season's over. And just uh, we'll have a couple more, couple more weeks episodes, and then um, I think it's what December twelfth, December tenth, or December twelfth. We'll be taking our our annual uh, winter break from podcasting. We'll be back, uh, I think, January tenth or twelfth. Yeah, with an episode after that, we may get some stuff hammered out and pre-recorded for then, but. Uh, hopefully in some somewhere in that time frame we'll get some uh, i know we had the hobie schedule release but hobie will have hopefully we will have more schedule releases rule updates you know any of that nonsense that we can uh share when we come back uh to kind of kick the season off but and, we'll probably I, I i will say this like um uh, hobie and kbf has their out theirs out and that i talked to somebody at bass and they they have it it's just you know, it's one of those things where some T's aren't crossed and some I's aren't dotted. And if you come out with it early, I know everybody wants schedule. I do too. But if you come out with it early and then something has to change because, you know, something that 99%, that 1%, something changes and then you look bad. So everybody wants a schedule. All the clubs want to schedule around them and try to support them if they're coming to your state or locally. But uh, that that's the only thing holding up. It's not them holding it up. It's a, uh, you know, some different locations, things like that. So, so yep. bass is on. They're they're really trying to put out a schedule as soon as possible. So, you know, it's it's coming. For sure. Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, another great episode. Last thing to touch on, um, Dan. I saw that. Uh, saw this before we got on. I saw uh, your shop, Summerlands, doing a huge Black Friday sale like ginormous like yeah. there's some stupid good deals on it so uh everybody go check that out and then if you're in 
anywhere close or not even close to Nashville, um, we're going to have some sales over at Music City Outdoors. We've got some uh, gently used Hobies that we're, uh, we just kind of need them out of the way because we've got, we have a lot of orders coming in at the first of the year and we've got to get some of these gently used boats out of the way. And we're going to have some good deals on some last year models too. So if you're in the market for a kayak going into the Christmas season, Black Friday, all that stuff, uh, check, give us a call or come check us out at Music City Outdoors. Go see Dan and them. I mean, y'all think y'all are, I read 25% off on all the kayaks there. So it's, it's like a hundred dollar X Shimano X Pride ride. I saw that Old and was years. like, like I'm a yeah. Dobbins guy, but it's because like X Prides are usually like, I can't afford that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's like absurd sales and deals going on at summerland so yeah. music city outdoors and summerland outdoors check them out you know everybody let you've been i know i do i literally save up money just for black friday because some of the fishing deals are so good but uh it sucks us at the end of the year and you won't get to use them till next year but you know it's definitely the best deals of the year it is what it is yeah well it is it's been another great show, folks. We appreciate everybody as always. We will see y'all next week. And again, hopefully we'll uh, be able to get Cody on to talk about his great year. Uh, but until then, uh, everybody be safe and peace. Later. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Finn. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin. Don't forget to check out the website paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures your Midwest premier paddle sports destination, go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina, the beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. Jigmasters Jigs, when in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today. to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chasing the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.